Hi, this is Pastor Philip Lin, and I'm the Senior Pastor of Skyline SIB. Welcome to the Skyline SIB podcast. We're so glad that you're taking time to tune in. Whatever you may be going through, God is with you, and we hope that this message will encourage and inspire you to draw closer to Him. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Skyline. Good morning. I think uh, Pastor Peter is hungry. Like, what do you guys think? He keeps talking about food and saying about hunger, you know. But yes, we had a wonderful time with the pastors in Kuching. So glad that uh, we could uh, meet at the same time while we were there. But, uh, you know, I, I feel so at home here. This is really home, coming home, balai kampong kind of thing. I just love being in Skyline. Oh. And uh, of course, your pastors um, are like our spiritual parents as well for Pastor Sebi and I, and we just adore them. And you know, if, if, if you guys don't um, take care of them good enough, you know, we will have them. I will take them with me and, you know, and I'll take care of them. <laughs> They're such amazing um, pastors, Pastor Philip, Pastor, Pastor Nancy, but the whole team of pastors. Yesterday, we were, we were with Campus Youth Ministry with, uh, and the Youth Ministry, yours, and we had an amazing time. My brother, my cousin, Gavin Matu, uh, shared his testimony and, and shared the word and uh, we saw salvation. Yes, we saw uh, first-time salvation, rededication, and, and people um, who were battling depression, anxiety, um, lifted up their hands to be prayed for. We prayed for them. You know, um, even as teenagers, you know, do not do not see kids as, as just teenagers and therefore you think they don't go through tough times. But many young people go through tough times and, and, and one or two of them came up to us and said that they had tried to commit suicide once or twice before. And you know, at, last night, God just um, really brought something and, and I won't say set free, set free, but brought um, just this and this click that just says, okay, I'm done, you know, and I just know that something was released last night in this, in the campus ministry and also the youth ministry and God's going to do even greater in the days to come. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Before I go into the word, I just want to give a big shout out to moms. Happy Mother's Day. Come on. All right, moms. Awesome. To all the moms here, we love you very much. Thank you so much for your unconditional love and your sacrificial love. This is a picture that I pulled out. I took um, two weeks ago in Barrio and um, this was a picture taken at 6 a.m. in the morning and um, in Barrio, you know, my grandma prays for us every morning. This is right in front of the fireplace and at, at our family home and uh, that's my mom on the left, my mom's sister on the right and that's my grandmother right in the middle and you know, this is my heritage. I am so blessed and I'm so lucky. There's always someone bringing up my name to the throne of God every morning at 6 a.m. And you know, if you join them, when I sit with them, Grandma will pray for every one of her children, all the way to her grandchildren, all the way to her great-grandchildren. And there's a lot of us, okay? <laughs> my mom has like 10 siblings and out of that, I have um, something like 20 over first cousins and then, then the grandchildren. So, so there's a lot of names and they continue coming up, right? <laughs> because more children are like, popping and stuff like that. But, but this, this is the heritage. I am a true testimony of a life saved and a life protected because of my mom's prayers. Seriously, seriously, I think uh, for me, I, I, I almost died three times. I was near a near-death accident, things like that three times. My brother himself also, uh, a couple of times, you know, between the three of us, we're like cats, you know, we have nine lives. Um, thank God we haven't died yet, hallelujah. But, uh, 
we know, we know for a fact, even my brother, he shares this, that he knows angels protect him. You know, he's, he, I'm naughty, but he's naughtier, I think. <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that. And then, and, then um, and, and he says that, you know, that he was protected by angels at so many times, he knows it. And, and really, you're, the best you can do, you know, moms, sometimes you feel inadequate to raise your children. Sometimes you feel like you're not a good enough mom or things like that. I want to tell you something, okay? It, it, it's not about you. It's God. He is the perfect father. He will be the mother. They will give you the wisdom to raise your child, to take care of your child, you know, protect your child. All you have to do is to be faithful, to bring the names of your children before the throne of God and just lift them up in prayer every day. Amen. That's, that's, all, that's all we're called to do, amen. The rest, you leave it to God. Amen. Is that good? Happy Mother's Day, moms. We love you. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, before I go into the Word, is it okay if I just pray? Yeah? We just take some time to pray in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm so desperate for you. Come, Holy Spirit. There's nothing good in me or anything in human capacity that can bring any good, but only and only if you come, I know, God, something can happen. Lives can be changed. Heavens begin to be opened because your move is here. And so in desperation, I say, come and we welcome you in this place. I pray for ears to be unblocked, to hear your voice. I pray for eyes, blind eyes to open. I pray for veils to be removed so we can see you. I pray for hearts to be tender, to be able to receive your word this morning. Come Holy Spirit and do as only you can do in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen, Amen and Amen. Fantastic. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, could you just turn with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 21. Just keep your finger there and keep it there for a while, okay? Allow me to give a little bit of context in 1 Kings chapter 21. Thank you, worship team. Amazing job today. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, King Ahab is the seventh king of Israel, right? And of course, his wife is Queen Jezebel. And Queen Jezebel was not an Israelite. She came from, you know, she was a Baal worshiper. And instead of Ahab influencing her, his wife, the wife was the one who influenced him to worship Baal. All right. And so during the days of when Ahab was king, there was, um, the, the gates were open for perversion and all sorts of evil that came into the land. And in that day and in that time, you know, Ahab, uh, Ahab had a neighbor, and, and, and though Ahab was very rich, he was a very rich king, he had much possession, but his neighbor was Naboth, and Naboth's vineyard was very fruitful. He would look over his balcony, and he would see Naboth's vineyard, and he was like, oh, that's a really, really nice vineyard. I want it for myself. And so he began to covet his neighbor's vineyard and he, and he said to him, Hey, look, Naboth, I, I will give you any vineyard that you want. And, and if not, I can even give you money. Will you just sell me your vineyard for whatever that you want? And then Naboth's reply to him is like mind-blowing reply. It's just a really powerful response that Naboth has to the king. 
Now we're going to read right now. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 21. That's where we are. Verses 1 to 7. It says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, next to the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, Hey, Naboth, give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near, it's next to my house, and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or, if it seems good to you, I'll give you its worth in money. Whatever you want, you name the price, Naboth, I will give you something in exchange for your vineyard. And this is the thing that Naboth's reply was this drop mic you know, mind-blowing reply. You know, imagine the courageousness he had, the, the bravery he had to reply the king, such audacious words. And he says, the Lord forbid that I give the inheritance of my fathers to you. And he says to him, ain't no way, Jose, there is no way I am going to give my father's inheritance. It, I forbid it. The Lord forbids that I do such a thing to give away what belongs to me and my family. And one day my children and my children's children, I will not give this to you. Because the thing is this, now both knew that there is a law over the land. And the law over the land was this, that you are not allowed to pass land. Okay, land was a sacred thing. It wasn't just an issue of possession. It was a sacred thing. You're not allowed to sell off your land just to anybody. You're not to, uh, allowed to sell it off to, to people who are not in your family. It is an inheritance. It's something that's supposed to be passed down from generation to generation. And, 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 and you know, um, Nabal says, the Lord forbid that I should give this inheritance of my fathers to you. The question is, who is Nabal's father? And fathers. Who is Nabo's father and fathers? Right? So I did all the research for you, praise the Lord. So you get to just come here and have a nice feast. I, 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 when I prepare messages, I go into a cave for like three days. Okay? And then I cry over it. I pray over it. I do tons of research over it. Back and forth. You know? And because um, Naboth doesn't... The Bible doesn't say Naboth, son of Nun or something like that. Right? But, but, but I had to do research. And there were a few scholars who, who put it in different ways. But I landed on this. That Naboth came from the tribe of Manasseh. Okay? And Naboth would be five generations from his great-great-grandfather, Joseph. So Joseph had two sons, yes? One was Manasseh and the other one was Ephraim, okay? And, um, and Manasseh is one of the sons, is, is the son of, of Joseph. And so if this is Joseph and his son is Manasseh, okay, then uh, Manasseh's son is Joseph's grandson. <clears throat> and then this would be Joseph's great-grandson and Naboth would be Joseph's great-great-grandson. So his fifth generation from Joseph. Now there is this epic story in Genesis 49 that talks about how when Jacob was on his deathbed and he was right about to die, he calls his 12 children and he says, okay, 12 sons, come. I want you to come and surround my bed. And so they all surround his bed and he blesses them each with a blessing. And he prays over every son with 
a blessing. Okay, so some had good ones, some didn't have such a good one. You know, Reuben didn't have a great one. Simeon, Levi didn't have a good one. Judah had a fantastic uh, word of blessing, okay. Levi had a, had a good one. Dan had a good one. And another person who had a good one was Joseph. And so here we are in Genesis 49, 22. Allow me to read this. This is Jacob's blessing to his son. And he says this about Joseph. He says, Joseph is a fruitful branch. A fruitful branch by a spring. Its branches, its branches hang over a wall. And what that means is that he was declaring that my son, my son Joseph is going to be one that is going to be fruitful, so fruitful that his branches go beyond even his um, influence, even his current allotted influence or his, his, his location, whatever it is that was given to him, that his blessing will even go beyond that, that it will come even and, and land across the wall. And even here and in no... In neighbor's generation, you see that neighbors continued that legacy from generation to generation, that fruitfulness continued up to Naboth's life, that he was so fruitful that the, his trees, his fruitfulness went over the wall, right? So much so over the wall that his neighbor, King Ahab, looked at it and said, oh, I want that for myself. Envy. Jealousy. Sounds very demonic, doesn't it? And I tell you, jealousy is always the heart of contention. And um, that's something that God always is, is against, okay? Now, there are blessings that can be carried and then passed down from generation to generation. Someone say amen. amen. Yes, there are blessings that you can carry on from generation to generation. Do you believe this truth? Okay, we must believe it because, you know, I, I won't be surprised that if you're doing business today and you're good at doing business, it's probably because your grandfather or your great-grandfather was doing biz business. You know, if you're good, if you're a leader today and it's natural for you to be a leader, I won't be surprised if your grandfather, your great-grandfather was some form of leader before they hold leadership position. If you are good in farming Okay, I won't be surprised that your grandfather, your father, your grandfather was good in farming. You know, so, uh, coincidentally, my grandmother, my mom's, my dad's mom had won the Best Harvester Award. She had a certificate, you know, in 1976. She's like the best harvester in the, the Barrio District, okay. And it's not just Barrio itself, but just around and around. Uh, just outside there as well and, and she won this, this Best Harvester Award 1976. I have the certificate. I asked my dad for it. I said, Dad, can I keep this for myself? Because, because from generation to generation up to today, I find myself as a harvester too. I may not be harvesting farming. I may not be harvesting paddy field but I'm harvesting souls. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In my heart of hearts, you know, I, if, if you ask what office or gift I carry, I'm not really a pastor. My pastor level is probably second to last. But uh, my, my main thing is an evangelist, you know. And, and, but everybody calls me pastor because that's what you do in church, right? So people think that I want to listen to pastor stuff, right? But actually, all I want to do is just shout that everyone tell them to come to Christ. <laughs> and, and that's the calling over my life. I'm a harvester. Amen. 
I'm a harvester because there is a generational blessing from generation to generation. And today, I've received that. And so many of us here in this room, you are who you are because of your fathers who have laid down a foundation for you, a pathway for you to go to where you need to go. You cannot go to where God wants to take you unless you know where you came from. Amen. Yes, he wants to do new things in your life. Yes, he has new places for you to possess. But you won't know where you are going until you know where you came from. That's so good. Amen. Amen. If you don't believe this truth, you know who believes this truth? The enemy. The enemy actually, sometimes, I believe the enemy believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. How do I know? Because he's doing everything he can to stop you from receiving your generational blessing. The enemy is doing everything he can to cut you off from your generational blessing. That's how I know the enemy really hates the generational blessing. Just as there are generational curses, there are also generational blessings. And the enemy is coming after you. He's not just going to cross his arm and let you be fruitful and let you live for God and, and, and let you do whatever God has called you. He's not just going to let you do that. And if we don't continue this and, and, and realize the plans and the walls and the, you know, no weapon formed against us shall remain. There is weapons, there's specific weapons that has been formed against us so that we would be cut off from our generational blessing. And we need to be aware of those things. You know, I'm not surprised that if you called it to do business, there is a struggle in your business right now. I won't be surprised that if you are called to heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free, that you may be battling with depression and mental health issues. You may be battling with bipolar yourself. And that's part of, you know, last night was so amazing. We, we had that time with, with the young people and Gavin shared his testimony. And, and Gavin went through, you know, having bipolar type 2. And he was on medication for a while. And, and when he came to the Lord and, and God just healed him through reading scripture, reading Bible, worship, prayer, scripture, worship, prayer, and being in the community of God. That's a big part of his testimony. And then he stopped taking the medication, which was supposed to be medicated to him for life, you know. And he stopped taking it. He believed in the Lord. And the Lord healed him. Healed him and continued to heal him until he became an MMA Muay Thai champion. Hallelujah. Come on. Fighter for Jesus, man. This guy. And, 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 and imagine like for the very thing that he was, was going to be a blessing to, the very thing that God will use him to do was the very thing he himself had to battle with. And so many of us are actually going through that. You know, and, and even for myself, I, I had a little bit of um, battling with drug addiction as well. And who knows that one day we would also start a woman drug rehab center. And we started a drug woman rehab center in Miri. It's the first one, one of the first ones in Borneo. I heard there's one in Cebu, okay. And, but but it's, it, I, don't, I haven't heard of any in Sabah yet. Woman. There are quite a few men, but women are a bit harder to handle. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. It is one of the toughest ministries I've ever done. You know, in church, you deal with a lot of broken people. In, in this ministry, you deal with fractured people. And it's so hard because they've gone through years and years of mental trauma, you know, abuse. And, and so mindsets is, is just like so tough to do ministry with these women. But and yet, you know what? If you enter into the house where they stay, you can immediately feel the presence of God because the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. There is such a presence in the house. 
Oh, we have two girls and, and man, it's, it's like the hard, one of the hardest ministries. But I'm so glad we're seeing a um, little bit and little signs of breakthroughs, you know. We're start, starting to see them come out and, and get healed. And, and we're believing that even as, uh, as, as they go and, you know, th that they would receive a complete healing. They're not there yet. They're not there yet, okay. But they would receive a complete healing. And what was made for evil over my life has been turned around for good. Come on. Come on. And there may be battles over your life today that you are going for and the enemy is not going to stop you. But you must remember, it is worth it. The battles are worth it. The warfare is worth the inheritance that you are to receive. Because when you go through your breakthrough, it's not just for you. It's for your children and your children's children. It's for your family, the people that you love. It is for them. Get over yourself. Can I say that? We must be people who stop looking at ourselves and sometimes we don't care if we get hurt. But what if I told you that if you know what you're going through is for another person, then you know it's worth it. Amen? It's worth it. It's worth it. We must not allow the enemy to disconnect us from our family heritage. Generational blessings of prayer altars must continue in the family. Family traditions of attending Sunday services must continue. Amen. Worship in homes and family sharing must never die. You know, my dad had this one rule at home. He said, for as long as you live under my house and under this roof, you have to go to church on Sunday. No matter what you did the night before, no matter how late you come home, you better make sure you are in church service on Sunday. And so no matter how hungover I was when I was a teenager and younger, no matter how late I slept the night before, no matter how crazy it was the night before, I will still be in church and I'll sit there. And though I am nodding to the Holy Spirit. But you know what? Being the presence of God, I know, was part of my life growing up. And I, and I knew that in the presence of God, there was peace. And I know that even though it wasn't really totally, I wasn't totally following, but just being in the house of God gave me peace. And there was no other place that I found peace except in the house of God. We must continue these generational blessings of prayer altars, of, of attending Sunday services. Amen. Keep it up in your family. You, this is something that is worth um, having and worth fighting for. Amen. May we begin to arise and say to the enemy when he comes to try and steal, kill, and destroy the heritage in your life, you must say to him, the Lord forbid that I give the inheritance of my fathers to you. The Lord forbid it. No way, Jose. And happening in my lifetime. Now there are two um, inheritance in Christ Jesus that I really want to share with you today. Okay, real quick. The first one, is the inheritance reserved for heaven. The inheritance reserved from heaven. First Peter chapter 1, 3 to 4, it, said, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from dead, to an inheritance incorruptible. Someone say inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last 
time. And so there's an inheritance that is reserved for us on the other side of eternity. There's an inheritance that is much more worth investing for for the other side. Guys, the best thing you can invest for in this generation is not cryptocurrency. Huh? On this side of life, huh? it's not cryptocurrency, it's not property. It is an eternal inheritance. Because what you invest here for eternity will last for more than just, what, 80, 90 years that we're going to live on earth? Forever! Eternity is not even 1,000 years. There's no number to it. It just goes on and on and on and on. And what we do here on earth does matter because what we do here on earth will determine how we will live on the other side. Is it not worth it? Is He not worthy? Amen? There's an inheritance on that side. But today, I want to talk about the inheritance on this side. There is an inheritance reserved for today on this side of eternity. And this inheritance is also worth it and worthy. Ephesians chapter 1, 15, verse 18. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, Paul says, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, look, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, okay, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance. There is an inheritance from God, an inheritance, the eternal inheritance is, is very is rich and full of glory. Very rich and full of glory. I said this in the first service and I said, you know, um, my family, we're not timber tycoons, okay? Although I wish we did because we have all the trees, okay? But, but we're not. We're not wealthy in terms of monetary value. We're not, okay? But I tell you what I know. I know I am rich in Christ Jesus. I have a rich inheritance because of the generational prayers and generational blessing from generation to generation. I tell you, I, I'm like billionaire in the, in the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. Uh, one day, I hope it'll transcend to natural, but you know, I'm happy. <laughs> rich, rich in glory of the inheritance. And that's how, that's the spiritual inheritance that we have. It is rich and full of His glory. So there are two things. The first one is this, okay, is to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Christ. Uh, do you know that this is a great inheritance that we have? Is actually to have the knowledge of Him, to know Him for who He is. And that's one of the greatest inheritance you can receive from God. Come on. Uh, uh, one of my um, favorite in prophetic intercessors is this man named Lou Engel. And Lou Engel is the guy who leads, you know, the Sen and, and Jesus Fast. And he, he came to speak in, in Singapore um, in Kingdom Invasion, the conference. And I remember this conference and I remember very clearly because it just stuck to me what he said. He said this, whenever you receive a revelation... Whenever you receive a revelation from God, treasure it. Because it took a multitude of angels to fight in the heavenly places, in heavenly realms for you to just receive that one revelation. And I was like, whoa, that's so good. And that's so true, isn't it? The thing is this, right? 
you know, when, when you're in a place where nothing is working, you know, you're praying and the heavens doesn't open, it feels like the heaven is brass, nothing is coming to you and you're like shakarabaying, okay, and, and still nothing. There are moments in our life where you just don't feel anything and you're trying your best to feel something, but you don't, right? And then there are times when you come into this, this, this very, this place where there's such an atmosphere of prayer and, and something just shifts in the atmosphere, something just shifts in the heavenly places and then you receive a revelation and sometimes it's just as simple as Jesus loves you. And you're like, whoa, Jesus loves you, man. That's so good. So simple. But when it's a revelation from God, it's powerful. Beginning of this year, during my time of prayer and fasting, revelation dropped into my heart. You know, it was 14, 14 days of prayer and fasting. We met every night in church. And 14 days, you know, I thought I was going to get something really awesome, like, like, a, like a future word about the future. But it was very simple, but still very powerful. And the Lord said this to me. And He said, um, the, the, the main purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to reveal the power of God, but to reveal the person of Jesus. The main purpose of the Holy Spirit, you know, it's not about the power, the signs and wonders, but it's to reveal Jesus. And when we say, Lord, come, Holy Spirit, come, partner with Him, Holy Spirit, come into my life, we're saying, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus in my life. And the Lord brought me to Revelations chapter 5. And in Revelations chapter 5, it says there are 24 elders that are sitting around the throne of God, right? And, and sitting on the throne was a lamb that was slain. It's not a lamb who was as white as snow. Huh? It's not one of those lambs you see in those New Zealand posters. Huh? It's a bloody lamb sitting on the throne. <clears throat> it's not even the Lion of Judah. Why not the Lion of Judah? Doesn't that make a little bit more sense? The Lion of Judah is sitting on the throne. And the Lord said this to me. You will never know the Lion of Judah until you come to know the Lamb of God. And it is the Lamb who is worthy to open the scrolls, not the Lion of Judah. But we want to evoke the line of Judah in our lives. We, we want him so much to roar into our situations. But you'll never know the right line of Judah until you know the lamb who's sitting on the throne. And that's what it is when we come into, with the Holy Spirit, with partner Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit reveal to you? Because when we come to know Jesus who sits on the throne... The lamb that was slain, you'll come to see that he is worth it. And he is worthy. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our whole life. Come on. That's not even part of my notes. But, you know, I just wanted to share that with you guys. That, that when there is a revelation of Christ Jesus, it, it, it costs so much. It costs so much, you never understand. The, the heavenly hosts, the battles happening, the spiritual realm, spiritual realm for you to receive just one word, one revelation of Christ. Because when you receive that one word, one re revelation, it will take you through every day, every month throughout the year. And up to even today, what I received in that month of Jan January, I still carry it up to today. Because I know that when I share with the sufferings of Jesus, when I share with the sufferings of the Lamb, I know that I will also share in His resurrection power. And it takes me through season after season after season. Just one revelation, can you believe it? Keeps me on course. Keeps me standing up. Keeps me alive in Christ Jesus. Someone say, so good. 
So good, the knowledge of Christ. Secondly, it talks about, you know, the hope of His calling, which is your destiny. There is a destiny that all of us have to fulfill. I have a destiny. I know I must fulfill. I have a destiny of the city on a hill. You remember that song? I have a destiny. What a great song. We all have a destiny and I cannot fulfill your destiny. I, you cannot fulfill my destiny. And, and we must stop trying to live another person's life. Come on, somebody. We must stop trying to compare ourselves with another person's life. Live your own life and find out your own destiny. The only person who knows your destiny is the person who created you. I don't bring my iPhone, um, my iPhone when it's broken. I don't take it to a Samsung shop. Come on. To be fixed, right? Nobody does that. You take an iPhone, iPhone problem to an iPhone shop because they are the creators. They design it for you, right? And in the same way, if your life is broken, you want to know your destiny, come to your creator. Know Christ Jesus for yourself because He has the blueprint for your life. Your best friend, you're not even your pastors will have the blueprint for your life. They can help you. They can help you navigate. They can help you, you know, give you advice and wisdom. But they do not have the blueprint for your life. You've got to get it from the one who created you. Come on, that's so good. Your destiny. Your destiny in Christ. That's your inheritance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Find your destiny. Know your inheritance in Christ. You know, I really want to bring up this scripture from Romans chapter 8, 15 to 18 because I want to give us a little bit more handles to this message, to this whole idea of, of fighting and defending our heritage, okay? And, and really, I don't want to be one of those, you know, Pentecostal pastors that are like, yeah, and, then, and then don't give you guys something to really grab hold and take home. Now, uh, Romans chapter 8, 15 to 18, it says, for you, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, okay? And if children, we then heirs, and heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And so we have an inheritance in God, but we have it through our elder brother, Jesus Christ. Yes? Okay? And then it goes on to say, you know, it said, we, we need, we indeed, in, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And so what He's saying is that yes, there's an inheritance for you and, that, and, and for you to receive that inheritance through Jesus Christ, you must share the sufferings as Jesus Christ shared the sufferings for the inheritance. But He says, but you know what? I don't even know if I should call it suffering. Basically, Paul is saying, I, I don't know if it's even suffering because he says, um, but in comparison, it cannot be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Basically, he's saying when you get your inheritance, when you get your reward, it's going to be far greater than the suffering that you have to go through to receive that reward, that inheritance. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's going to be painful, but once you get there, you'll forget all the pain. 
I remember one of our leaders in, in back home and she just gave birth and she's like, you know, the labor was so long. She was in the hospital from 3 p.m. all the way to 3 a.m. And she's like, so long, the laboring. I was like, wow, is this baby ever going to come out and this pain ever going to end, you know? But when the baby came out and the beauty of the face of the child, she says, all the pain left. And I saw the face of the baby and I was like, that was worth it. That was worth it. And it's just like that. What can be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us? Nothing. Nothing can be compared. You bet you it's worth it. The sufferings that we may have to go through. The pain that we may, and the cost that we may have to pay. But it's worth it. Amen. It is worth it. I want to give you an example. You know, if, um, if a mother had many children and she had, she had passed away, but she had written a will. Okay, she had property and all sorts of stuff and she had to distribute her wealth to her different children. When she passed away, the will came out, right? And so it was presented to her kids. And every child, you know, there would be a different uh, criteria in the will. For, for one of it, it will be something like, until you get married and then only you will get this. For another one, it said, until you turn 25 and then only you will get this, right? For another one was, until someone passes away and then only it will, the name will be passed down to you. And, and what happens is, um, the person, this will is what you call, has to be probate, probated, right? And so the children have to probate the will. And this word pro- probate has to do with, it means to prove that a person's will has been made correctly and that the information it contains is correct. So when the, the children uh, probate this will and then it goes through line by line of the things that it needs to do, then uh, uh, line by line, right, once it goes through all of those things and then only the inheritance will be revealed. Can I suggest that Jesus has already paid the price for you to receive all the riches. He's already gone on the cross. He's already done the hard work for you. Like that mother who had already done the hard work to attain all of the inheritance, to attain all the property, to attain all the monetary wealth that she did, okay? Jesus went through all of the hard work. Now all we have to do is probate it. And so Jesus paid the price for our inheritance. We need to probate for it. That means we need to say, yes, God, I am willing to share in your suffering. God, I'm willing to come into obedience with you to whatever you want me to do. And obedience is so important in this generation because delayed obedience is still disobedience. Come on. Half obedience is still disobedience. Come on. And this is a time for us to obey. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. And although you may be one who can sacrifice much, you know, you give um, of, 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 of your wealth maybe, but the Lord says, that's not what I wanted. I wanted your heart. That's why obedience is better than sacrifice. Because sacrifice is religion, but obedience is relationship. It is out of relationship with God that we know what to sacrifice. Come on, somebody. And God wants relationship with us. He doesn't want our religion. He doesn't want our religiosity. He wants relationship with us. Amen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. 
And if we allow ourselves to go through what we need to go through to probate that will, you know, God will bring it through for us. And just as we can pass down generational blessings, we can also cut generational blessings. It can also end with us. A couple of weeks ago, I was having a conversation with one of uh, our church members and, and he's, he's fairly new. And so I asked him some um, story about his background. I said, hey, tell me more about yourself. Is your family Christian? And he said, actually, my family is Buddhist. But I came to find that my great-grandfather is, was actually a pastor in a Methodist church. I was like, oh, so how did it happen? He said, after my great-grandfather was pastor in the Methodist church, my grandfather didn't really like going to church, so he stopped going to church. And so by the time my father was born, he was born in a family that didn't even bother going to church, you know, so he, they, they became like uh, free thinkers. And so when he said, when my dad married my mom, my mom was a Buddhist, so they became Buddhist. And so this young man now, is, is, he's a believer and he came, came to the Lord and he gave his life to Jesus and he's really a changed man, okay? And he's very hospitable and God, God is like um, speaking to him a lot, okay? He's one of those guys that have dreams and visions and always dreams and sometimes I wonder like, how come I don't get these dreams? Uh, I'm supposed to be the spiritual one here, but you always have dreams. So unfair sometimes, you know? And, and he said, um, <clears throat> I just realized that my great-grandfather was a Christian, and today that I'm a Christian, I have to start again from scratch. I have to start again and, and rebuild this relationship um, that, that, with God that I have. And I wish I was like you, that there would be a generational heritage from generation to generation. You know, and it's great that he has it and it's still in his bloodline. So basically, it came very naturally for him to love the Lord. It came very naturally for him to read the Bible, but he had to start from scratch. And imagine if his fathers continued and he would, they would build precept upon precept and precept upon precept what God is doing in their life. Imagine if they built that up to where he is today, he wouldn't have, st have to start from scratch. He would continue to build onwards and forwards. And so I want to say this, that yes, you can pass it on, but you can also stop it with where you are. And, and in my tribe, in the Clubbit community, my generation is at stake. We, we are, oh, my generation actually is at the brink of losing our faith, the faith that our forefathers took so long to build and to have. Oh, my generation is actually at the brink of losing it. A lot of my, my, my cousins and my generation, you know, they're big drinkers. And, and when it comes to church, they don't really want to be part of church anymore. And we're at the brink of losing it. But I refuse and I do not want this to happen to my generation. I refuse for it to happen. And with the little influence that I have, you know, I will do whatever it takes for my, on my part to stop that from happening. I am willing to lay down my life. I'm willing to lay down my time. I'm willing to lend down my energy to sow into the next generation because the next generation is worth it. They are worth it. We get to decide whether we want to carry it on or for it to stop where we are. Can I get the worship team up as I bring everything to a close today? Amen. You know, allow me to just share a story. In 2022, last year, 
um, I, I do this every year, so I go into a time of silence and solitude. I think I shared this with you. Um, and, and the Lord gave me this very clear word. And He said, Rachel, the greatest places of your warfare are the greatest places of your inheritance. And I said, God, what does that mean? But when it came to me, I knew it was revelation. I opened up my phone and I turned on my Google calendar, okay? And I looked through the years, 2022, and I look at 2021, look at 2020, 2019, 2018, and I was like, the greatest places of my warfare was usually between the months of May and June and the months of September and October. Every year. May, June, September, October. Whatever can go wrong will usually go wrong this time. You know, all hell breaks loose lah. And then it's just like, man, the most silliest things happen. People take offense for the most random things. Um, sickness, physical sickness, exhaustion or whatever can happen will happen around those times. And so, um, I, put, I put a label in my Google calendar in the middle of May. I put there in red, get ready. Be prepared, spiritual warfare. I did another one in September, September 16. I put there, get prepared, spiritual warfare. And because that was in January, I did that. So I went through the year and I kind of forgot about it. And then true enough, May, June. Boom, 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 boom. La, 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 ah, irritating, whatever. Okay, that's, that's how it sounded like and felt in my spirit. Okay, excuse me. And I looked at my calendar and I saw this red tag. Get ready, spiritual warfare. And I was like, ah, patut lah. You know, and, and initially what I was going to do was I was going to sulk. And go to Jesus and be like, why you do this to me? I'm serving you, but why don't help me? You know, emo, very emo, all the sob story come out. And he said, you're going through spiritual warfare. And I said, okay, I'm getting up. Enough is enough. No weapon for me shall remain in the name of Jesus. And I rise up and I take my place of authority and poof, it goes away. And then it happens again in September. And I know in this time, something is rising up. Get ready, spiritual warfare. And I rise up and I begin to pray again. Shakarabaha. No, I'm not going to allow the enemy to come and steal, kill and destroy. Especially steal my peace and distract me from what I need to do. From, and distract me from the things of God. I am not going to allow that to happen. Not on my watch. And I began to see what happens in May and June, September and October is that in May and June, we usually have our youth conference. And our youth conference in Miri is like really mind-blowing. It's so powerful, okay, that um, so many young people give their lives to the Lord. They, they, they dedicate their life to coming to full-time ministry as teenagers and things like that. And you know, something always shifts in the next generation. And the Lord said, this is your inheritance. The next generation is your inheritance. The next thing, and in September, October, is tribal gathering. Is the revival meeting that happens every October. So from September um, 16 is Malaysia Day, leading up to October 4th. We've been having tribal gathering every year. And every time this year, all hell breaks loose lah. Seriously. The, the, you know, there's offenses that happen. It just doesn't make sense. It, really, it doesn't make sense. Pastor, I want to leave church because the girl didn't say hi to me. Huh? What girl didn't say hi to you? You say hi to her lah. No, no, I don't want anymore. You know, like, so silly. There's so many, like, this, 
these silly small small things and it becomes so big and then you get so tired and you get distracted from doing what you need to do because of these 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 battles that happen and it could even be physical sickness where you're just so tired from battling this physical sickness and the Lord said to me the second inheritance is revival now I'm just giving you an example okay I don't know what it is over your life or even over this house I leave that to your pastors but what is your inheritance is usually over the greatest battle in your life and with that talking about revival I want to invite you for our tribal gathering that we have. Um, tribal gathering, there are two parts to it. The first part is this. On the 5th to the 7th of October, 2023, we are going to be celebrating the 50th uh, year of the Barrio Revival. It's going to be done at the Miri Indoor Stadium. Uh, tribal gathering is actually a, a gathering that's happened uh, since 1973, okay? And so since 1973, when the revival broke out in Barrio, they had... Uh, meetings KKR in Barrio every year. But in 2002, the people, the Klabit, Saban and Brawans in, in the city, in Miri, got a bit FOMO. You know what's FOMO? Fear of missing out, okay? And because they were FOMO and they had a fear of missing out, they wanted to have a gathering in Miri itself. And so since 2002, they had a meeting in Miri called um, PKSB, Persatuan Klabit, Saban and Brawan, which is the KKR for the Barrio Revival. And, and they carried through that gathering for a long time, for many years. I remember going to it well forced going to it <laughs> and when I was growing up and then in 2018 they handed it over to the next generation Clubbit, Sabans and Browans. And so myself and, and a few of my cousins we got together and, and when we picked up this gathering and we called it tribal gathering we wanted it to be more inclusive of other tribes and other people because we know what God did in Barrio was not just for the Clubbit, Sabans and Browans. it was for a whole nation that the Barrio Revival will be a Malaysian revival. Just like the Welsh Revival started in a small town called Swansea. Swansea. But it became the Welsh Revival. And this revival that, that had carried on from generation to generation, the gatherings, the meetings, you know, the next gen took over. It's called Tribal Gathering. And so we're gathering together at the Miri Indoor Stadium from 5th to the 7th. And I want to invite all of you to come. Okay, um, this is a gathering of, uh, it's actually an intertribal, um, intergenerational and international gathering. Many of the people coming, we have 500 registrations and mainly from West Malaysia. For some reason, the West Malaysians are more excited than us. The most least uh, registrations are from Sarawak and Sabah. Come on, Sabahans. It, and, and 100 people have signed up coming from Indonesia. 100 people are coming from Singapore. And really what it is, is it's international. It's, do you know Borneo is a very unique place in Southeast Asia? Borneo is known as the lungs of Southeast Asia. It is the third largest rainforest in the world. That if you were to cut off all the trees in Borneo, you would be able to feel the immediate effect of the oxygen levels in Southeast Asia. That's how important Borneo is. In fact, it is the oldest rainforest in the world. It's more older than the Amazon. And so the trees that we have are the oldest trees we have in the world. That's the beauty of Borneo. And Sabah, you are part of Borneo. We are together here. The West is looking over to us. And we have a role to play in Southeast Asia. 
and Tom Hess, he released a word of prophecy in 2016 and he said, there are three pistol nations over Southeast Asia. The first one is Indonesia being the barrel where all the ammos are at. The second one is Singapore being the stock where you aim. The third one is Malaysia being the trigger. Boom. Beginning of this year in March, actually, I was um, joining the Southeast Asian fathers and fathers and children gathering. And it was a gathering of intercessors of these three nations, Singapore, Indonesia, and Malaysia. And all of the, uh, the leaders from Singapore, they, they said, you know, we are ready. We are ready to be the stock. You know, they are known as the Antioch of Asia. Because if you want to go international, you go through Singapore. Singapore is always international because um, it's so small, right? They cannot go anywhere. <laughs> they have to go international. All right. And so, and so they're the stock. And they said, they said, Singapore is ready. We are ready. And I tell you what, the, the church in Singapore is very matured. I'm amazed at the maturity of the church in Singapore. And then Indonesia said, guys, we are ready too. Indonesia is ready. And I tell you, the worship in Indonesia, the people of Indonesia, they are so ready. They're like the, the persecuted church. They're so ready to give their life. There's a strong army there. But what really gripped me at this gathering was when they said, Malaysia, we're just waiting for you. We cannot go until Malaysia pulls the trigger. And the trigger is with us here. Malaysians, the trigger is with us. I believe it's in Borneo. And there was a prophetic word that Cindy Jacobs released in 2012. And she said, Malaysia, get ready. Revival is coming to you, Malaysia. But it's going to come through East Malaysia. And it's going to come through the cities along the coast. Ladies and gentlemen, there are two cities along the coast in East Malaysia. That's Miri and KK. Come on. Miri and KK. There, this is the time. 2023 is a very unique time because it, it marks 50 years of the, well, the Barrow Revival, but also 50 years since many movements. The Asbury Revivals, also 70s. Charismatic Renewal Singapore, also 70s. The Jesus Movement, 1973 also. So that marks 50 years. And we coincidentally just celebrated, I don't think it's coincidence, but we just, uh, we, we just went through in March, the Shemitah year another round of seven years. So the Jewish just celebrated the Shemitah year, seven-year cycle. And I believe it was a seven times seven cycle because now we're living in a day of jubilee. There's a reset going on. And the next generation, God will not pass us by. Amen. And I will not allow it to. We do not want that to happen. We must stand our ground and say, God, do not pass my generation by. God, just as you poured out your spirit upon my people and my grandfather, my great-grandparents before, you do it over my generation, God. That's the cry of our hearts. And that's what tribal gathering is unto. Now, if you can't make it to, on the 5th to the 7th, the other side of tribal gathering is the prayer gatherings. We have prayer gatherings once a month and it's always very, very powerful, okay? You will enjoy it because it's a gathering where the old intercessors from 1973 come together with the next generation intercessors. The older generation, they, they, they do this thing where they speak in tongues, they interpretation in tongues. The next generation love prophetic singing, you know? And when the two come together, it's this wonderful combustion of fire. And I want to invite you, if you are a prayer warrior and God has put the gift and the heart for intercession in your heart, 
come and join us. Everything is in this website. Just scan that QR code. All the details are in this website. How you can register, how you can be part of our prayer gatherings. I invite you to come and join us once a month to Miri. In fact, we're having an overnight one tomorrow. That's why I have to go back today and prepare the team for an overnight prayer meeting tomorrow. We have teams coming in from Singapore. We have teams coming in from KL to join us for these prayer gatherings. Come on, Sabah. We're waiting for you. We're waiting for you. Amen. Amen. So what I'm going to do today is I, I really want to pray for you, okay? I'm going to get the worship team to just lead us in a song. But as they're leading us in a song, I feel specific to pray for those who is going through warfare season right now. You're going through such a tough time in your life and sometimes it's so confusing because you're doing everything you can to do right with God, to live righteously with God. And yet, even after you tick all those boxes, it feels so strange that you haven't had your breakthrough. Today, there's a breaker's anointing. I really feel like there's a breaker's anointing over the house where God just wants to meet you and encounter you so that you'll have that breakthrough over your life. You just need one touch for God, from God. It is enough to set you on course. Amen. Before I hand on a bit of time to Pastor Peter, I'd just like to pray and pray over every single one of us. Can you just put your hand to your heart today? In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for every person that is here. I thank you, God, for the hearts that are just open to hear your word. And even right now, God, you're being very specific to them in the areas that you, that, that you are dealing with in their life. I thank you, God, for the breakthroughs that they're going through, Father, that what they are going through, Lord, it is for the glory of your name. It is worth it. And despite the warfare, despite the intensity of the warfare, it is worth it, God. And just as Jesus said, for the, for the, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. And I pray, God, that we will have a vision. Give us the vision for the joy that is set before us. Give us a vision for the things that you are doing in our life. Give us a vision for the things you're calling us to possess, God. And though it may cost us much, but Lord, for the joy that's set before us, we will endure it, God. Just as Jesus saw the joy that's set before Him, which is our life, He endured the cross. And for everybody here, God, bless them. Bless them, bless them. Give them a fresh vision, God. Give them fresh view and eyesight of what you want to do in and through their lives in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you need prayer or want to be a part of our family, visit us at skylinesib.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube at skylinesib. Remember, you are highly favored, greatly blessed and deeply loved. Have a great week.